role do you take yourself in, in the making of the films? Would you call yourself a director? Mm, no. no, because just the people uh, who I pick usually direct the movie mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. What do you watch? Yes, yes. And my guest on the podcast this week, the incredible Felix Snow. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with that adjective. How are you? Uh, fantastic. Just enjoying this bungalow life right now. Yes, I have to paint the picture for the audience. We are sat way up in the hills, like ear-poppingly high in the hills, looking over the whole of LA, the wind's blowing, swimming pools are glistening in the distance. It's very, uh, it's very zen, <laughs> very peaceful, very, very spiritual. This conversation is going to be interesting because you're essentially a man of mystery. I feel like it's hard to find information about you. Um, aside from a bunch of tweets and stuff, we don't really have a window into you as a, as a person, as an artist. Everything is in the music, essentially. So um, I don't have any questions pre-prepared. It's going to be a conversation in the, in, the, in the purest sense. Good. And we're going to feel it out. So it could either go fucking terribly and we could sit here in uh, awkward silence or it can go incredibly <laughs> that <laughs> would be it, meta yeah would. i would like that interview all right we'll just sit here and just stare at each other. <laughs> have you seen that shia labeouf interview where she just stares at the girl he says she's she emailed him and said can i interview you and he said i'm not doing interviews but you can come and just stare at me and we can do all of the interviews via email so she went to the hotel and they sat with gopros on their heads and just stared at each other in the eyes for an hour straight and he was like, put this video up and publish all of the emails as the interview. <coughs> That's very like, who's that, uh, who's that performance artist chick? Uh, uh, st- uh, Maria Abramovich. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, I, that's very... she's, she's like um, his fucking God. She did that. I can't remember what her installation was called, but. Was it a staring one? Uh, no, she did something where she sat in a room and anyone could come in and yeah, talk yeah, to yeah. her. Yeah, uh-huh. so he did that. Uh, am I not famous yet or some shit where he sat in a room with a bag on his head and people came in and could say and do whatever they wanted to him. It was weird. It was so weird because he apparently got raped as well. Like he was sat there and a girl came in, took his trousers off and started like fucking him, basically. He said why he just sat there. When was this? This was last year. Okay. He said he just sat there and cried while this girl raped him. (laughs) And she came out with like her hair all fucked up and was like, I just fucked Shia LaBeouf. And his girlfriend was the next person to go in. It's like, she came in and was like, what? Art. Fucking right? That shit's crazy. Art, man. That's a perfect segue into the first question that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. What is art? What is art? Yeah. Uh, I guess it's everything. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's, that's my, like, uh, that's my, like, flat-out general answer. In a sense of what, though? What makes everything art? <clears throat> well, I mean, let's put it like this. Art is, like, art is your perception, you know? 
I mean, I, it's, it's, the, it's, it's like, you know, it's getting into pretentious territory, but it's like, uh, I guess you could define it as like the lens that you choose to see shit with or hear shit with. You just asked the toughest question right off the bat. We have to go in hard. I'm sure everybody just stumbles on this yeah, shit. Yeah, everyone stumbles <laughs> on this shit. A lot of people have listened before, so they know the question's coming, so they have some yeah, answer no, pre-prepared. No. With you, you're just like, straight across the face. You're like, oh shit, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, shit. I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm a Warhol guy, mm-hmm. you know, and... Andy was, you know, he was always like, art is what you can get away with and shit like that. But I don't know. Do you feel like that there's a a huge focus on art? I, I see you just said it's borderline pretentious territory. But then at the same time, if you're a huge Warhol fan, it's kind of pretension goes out the window in a sense of pretension is just what other people would say about art who don't really choose to understand right, it. Right, 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 right. So... Th- to say it's pretentious is for the sake of the ignorant i feel like i think he he valued the meaninglessness mm. of life mm. do you absolutely i i think it's meaningless and we we all try to find meaning and that's where like a lot of negative human shit comes from but that's also the most positive thing ever right to be able to find meaning in something that is inherently meaningless I think that that's... I mean, for a human, it is. I try to look at everything through the perspective of, like... A lot of times my friends have problems, and they're all first-world problems. Mm. I don't have any friend who doesn't have, like... Who has anything other than a first-world problem, you know? And I'm just like, look at, like... Look at, like, a bird. Or, like, a bear. (laughs) Where the fuck are we seeing bears? (laughs) I wish where, I saw a bear right Where now. do you go and just see a bear? <laughs> or look at a picture of a bear oh, on my Wikipedia girl left or something. Me. Yeah, <laughs> my girl left me. Bro, just go look at a bear. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's, that's, that, that's like my, my highest piece of advice for that situation. Nah, for real. I was in the park the other day and um, I was kind of like, how can you just be, how can you be mad or just have a shit day when, especially in LA, when you know that no matter what happens to you, you can just go sit in the sun in a park and realize that everything's not actually that bad. I was just like, holy shit. We don't have sun like this in England. We don't have uh, the best contingency plan of all, which is just to sit in the sun and kind of just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the best plan B to any day <laughs> that you could have. Well, I've actually been thinking about this problem things a lot, and it's like, It's only a problem not in reality. You know what I'm saying? Because reality is like you and me sitting here right now and there's no problems. None. Because all that we're focused on is this right now. Yeah, in our like localized mm. like space right now. But if you just got dumped... Or if somebody passed away who you knew or something, you know, like that, yeah. that's, it's like, but, but it's outside of where we are right now, you know? So are you a, a, a liver in the present? Is that, is that the yeah, whole? Absolutely. The whole I try ethos? to. Does I that not to. get harder to do sometimes than it is other times? It's a, certain things happen to make it a lot 
more testing to be present. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, <clears throat> I've lived a incredible life, especially compared to, you know, it's, it just, it just really, uh, like, like definitely all of my friends for sure shouldn't complain about anything mm. yet. They do. You know, it's like, a some people are addicted to drama or just like, they, they just want to bitch and moan. Is that what you're known as then? That kind of spiritual center of where it's like, just chill out, be grateful for what you have, blah, 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 blah. I mean, the, the people who know me really closely, yeah. That's a ba- it's not a bad role to have, I guess. <laughs> There's worse things to be known for. And, it, and it's funny, I've had like girlfriends before who think it's cold. Really? You know, it's like a cold perspective. Yeah, you know, on like it's just like the warmest perspective, no? Living. That you're living. <laughs> well, let's talk more about the incredible life that you've had thus far. But let's take it back to the start. Where are you from? Um I was born in Stanford, Connecticut. Lived first ten years of my life there. And then um, we moved to New Canaan, Connecticut, where my parents okay. still are. When did you first start making music? Like nine, nine years old. Was that like a, an achievable career in Connecticut? Were there people around you making music that, you, that made you think, all right, cool, this is something that I could actually do no, forever? No, it was completely out of the blue. My parents don't even make, like, they, I mean, they uh, love music, but they don't. Nobody in my family makes music. There's no, like, history. Can you remember what the spark was that made you want to experiment with it? (coughs) I mean, it it came from a, it came from when your brain doesn't uh, take into account, like, hey, I'm doing this, or, you know. It was just, it was very natural. It was never a choice. Like, I really want to make films, you know, but music is just what's happened since the start to my brain. Yeah. What was it like in those early stages? Was anything actually sensical or was it just you kind of fucking around and, and just expressing yourself, I guess? No, it was, it was, it was, it, it made a lot of sense because I started playing I started playing drums and bass and guitar and it was all like live band shit and like I listened to Red Hot Chili Peppers and um, huge Grateful Dead fan and I learned how to play instruments from them listening to all that shit and um, you know I started recording on the I don't know if you ever fucked around with the digital standalone or like the little 808 or 909 type machines like the Korg like D sixteen hundred, nah. like, like, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right? I know what you're talking the, about. The, the, yeah. yeah. So it was, you know, it obviously wasn't computers at that point, but yeah, the music made sense. The the recording didn't though. I don't know what the fuck I was doing with recording. How do you feel about now? The kids in that same situation probably don't look at bands or live instrumentalists like instrumentalists as I want to be like that. They hear sounds 
maybe on like a SoundCloud or whatever, and then they jump straight into the digital space and they're like, oh, how do I recreate that sound? Or how do I get shit to sound like that? <coughs> I think I think it's great. I wouldn't say it's a negative thing at all. Mm. I'd say it's positive. I will say it's funny. It's just amusing to me, uh, somebody programming a drum beat who's never played drums before. It's, it's amusing, but I don't look at it uh, negatively. I, I think it's really cool. Do you feel like, well, I personally feel like there's more of a, um, a focus on instrument, instruments now. I kind of feel like the curve is kind of is changing back to more organic sounds. People are really picking up a guitar again or playing pianos or... You mean shit. young kids or...? Um, the artists that are out now, you obviously you have your SoundCloud generation or whatever, but I feel like a lot more of the music that I'm hearing, like, did you listen to Chance's new yeah, project? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that's heavily, it's a gospel mixtape essentially with, with rap influences and shit. That's how I feel, not the other way around, a rap album with gospel influences. I feel like they set out to make a gospel album and their natural rap inclination seeped into that. So I kind of feel like people are trying to capture the organic a little bit more than getting lost in the digital stuff. Yeah, I think it's a mix of that. And I think a lot of people are using computers very expressively. Mm. It's like not um, making music with computers is not a cold thing. Hasn't been for a second, but it's getting less and less so if that's the choice that the artist or producer wants to make. Do you enjoy using computers? Mm, no, the answer to that is no. Why? <laughs> um, I'm taking that question really literally, it's like, I hate computers and I've, I've, I've mastered Ableton so much that it makes me forget that I'm using a computer. Okay. You know? So it kind of just transcends that whole computer. It just kind of feels like a part of you now. Ableton. I mean, it, it's, it's archaic, you know, like, like the, the mouse and, and the, the keyboards. It's, it's really funny that we're using laptops and you know, whether it's a desktop or a laptop set of, it's funny that we're using that to make music. Yeah. I feel like when the NPC came out, that was way more suited to like humans making music. You because you, is that because you feel like the NPC was created for that? Whereas a laptop is its primary focus is not music. It's like, yeah, a, it's like you could be like a, a novelist or something. Yeah. Like, like I'm, I'm using a tool that like, uh, has a Microsoft Word on it. Yeah. It's not native to, to music making. <laughs> what, what's so wrong about that? Why, why do you want a machine that is focused and just created for music? Oh, there's nothing wrong about it. I, th I just think it's archaic. Okay. And it's, it's gonna, it will be very soon. Obsolete, do you think they will stop? Yeah, for sure. Laptops won't be obsolete, but like how people make music is like I said, I think the MPC is more advanced than like <coughs> making music on a laptop. So why don't you do all of your stuff in like machine? Mm. I 
I don't know. I just bought like a little $80 like pad yeah, thing, yeah. like the iRig pad yeah, yeah. thing you see over there. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was talking about. And I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm using that basically to, um, for all the vocal chop shit and all the drums and it is funny though. Like, I mean, growing up listening to like Grateful Dead do like 17 minute, like all live instrument, like very human, mm. like super, super human music. Um, <coughs> it's funny inputting, especially like inputting MIDI information. And then, like, you play it back, and you're like, oh, it sounds like this. And then, like, oh, I have to change that. And you know, it's just different. It's not bad. Yeah, it becomes more scientific or formulaic as opposed to. It's just really new in, like, the human history of making music. Yeah. Like, this is the first time we've done shit like that, really, you know? It's my, yeah, it's microscopic the amount of time that we've used like fools have like been playing drums and like you know whatever irish yeah, stringed instruments yeah, banging shit. on walls and shit oh, yeah, yeah. percussion off of just objects that they find yeah people we often forget that how young into our journey we actually are in technology but also in music as we know it like electronic music or digital digital music essentially to have the amount of control that we have over sounds like we're so new we're still babies essentially to think of what we will accomplish or achieve or create in the future is a trip yeah which is why like especially since we're on like an exponential up curve with technology in every field not even just music it's like i think it's important it's it's um I think it's like really powerful and optimistic to realize how archaic what we're doing right now is. I feel like you you can't just beat a guitar or a piano though. Do you think that we'll ever be able to make something that you're like, is more satisfying than sitting behind a piano and just hearing that little the head, the hammer hit the string and just hearing that noise ring out? What was that? Do you think that you will ever make like we don't make new instruments. Do we make new instruments? Absolutely. Like what? In Ableton, you mean? No, like, do, you know how you have guitars and oh, shit? Oh, you mean physical instruments? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, is that archaic? Is that yeah, yeah, obsolete? I don't, well, I don't... No, I don't think anybody's making... They probably are. I'm I've not seen, aware of it. Have you seen that um, keyboard? It's like silicon and it's like a pad. And you can do the, pitch the, bends. The, the, like, and, all rubber one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Does that guy, that kind of counts, I guess, as a new instrument? Oh, well, I mean, if, if we're talking about, you're talking about, like, electronic, like, instruments that interface with computers. Yeah, well, we wouldn't make physical instruments anymore because it's kind of not... Fairly we, obsolete. Yeah. yeah. Like, what's the point when you have all of this new technology? Yeah, I, I think, I think that's a cool entry. I haven't, like... Uh, I think it's expressive. It's it's getting closer to like capturing um, a more human approach mm. than like inputting MIDI information, especially when you're like hand drawing it. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. No MIDI keyboard insight, <laughs> just 
pencil, just clicking notes, penciling every which single I do all note the time. In. It's cr- I can't even imagine. I don't think my brain will be ever even be able to process that way of working. It's just it just seems so like smart. It's too smart. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if I'm. It's real nerd style. Like you have to really know what you're doing in a sense. There's no. I mean, there might be. I haven't done it, but. It doesn't feel like there's much experimentation because you just know exactly where you're going to put this, that, and that. You have to really know your shit. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Do you do you have to really know if you're going to pencil it in? Uh, I mean, I, <clears throat> it's funny. A lot of producers, <laughs> and I won't name names again because they make <laughs> amazing music. But like a lot of producers that I know, they're like, I like see them work because I I like watching how everybody works and like they're like, oh yeah, I'm just clicking shit and like seeing if it sounds good but their taste level is so great that like they're like oh we have to move this i mean that's the art of it anyhow it's not whether you actually know like the chords or like drum patterns or anything it's like if you can it's just all about like taste level so do you know music theory or do you work Mm -hmm. off of taste level so you know about music theory i know a hundred percent about music theory and I've actually thought about it because I, I think about like kids who were born in like 2000 a mm. lot and like 2005, you know, just like the young kids and like, I don't think it's a negative if they never touch an instrument in their lives. I really don't at this point because it is just about like, can you be a vessel for like, making dope shit it's just taste level it's curation at this point you know Mm. rather than like i just learned how to play an f major seven on guitar (laughs) you know yeah which was like 20th century music (laughs) archaic that's like the word that's the title of this podcast of this episode archaic archaic ways of so when you were 10 or whatever and you were fucking around with these sounds and making stuff and recording stuff was the focus to be your own artist as a sense of like a front man or whatever or was it to produce for other people <coughs> I was yeah the, I mean the goal the goal was always well when I started out I, I, I don't know man like I just I just liked I really liked Jerry Garcia <laughs> I think he was tight as fuck. I still do. And then... I mean, it it was, you know, and then when I... uh, You know, high school was, like, finding out about Elliot Smith and Nick Drake and, like, uh, sad white boys who play guitar and sing and shit, and, like, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. But then I also really loved jazz and, like, um, Charlie Mingus, and I was a huge fan of playing the upright bass and shit, but... There's always been this thing to me, like, (laughs) my family ain't rich enough for me to be like a jazz bassist for the rest of my life, you know? Like, and I'm not dedicated enough to like, you know, get like $150 a gig playing jazz bass. Like, it's not the path, (laughs) not the path for me. So what do you see now as your role as producer? I actually see myself stepping away from producing and more like 
it seems to be the overarching concept of like everything I want to do right now is like blow artists up. That's all I'm interested in doing. Mm. And making music is, like I said, it's not even a choice for me. Like I have to do it. I just <laughs> David will ask me. Do you know uh, David? We run FS together and. I mean, I must have seen you talk about him, but no, I don't know. <clears throat> Anyhow, we, we run this, this label together, and I'll go home to um, Connecticut to, like, take, like, five days off. And he's like, he's like, oh, do you think you'll, do you think you could work on this? I'm like, man, I, I can't stop making music. It's just, no matter what. Do you believe that some people, there's some people that want to make music and there are some people that need to make music? And can you hear and identify those people straight away that need to make music? Yeah, absolutely. In person, for sure. Oh, okay. Online, it's super hard to tell. But you do most of your communications online. Like, uh, I don't know how the Kiara song came about, but I know that the Maddie song that you did came about by talking online, no? It starts talking online, yeah. and then it's super in my, it's my number one priority if, uh, to, to meet them in person yeah, after yeah. that. And then straight from that, you can catch the vibe of whether it's like, okay, cool, you really have to get this stuff out of you in a sense of you need to make music. Yeah, it's usually not as deep as that. It would, it would only be that deep if we were, like, signing somebody, mm. which we just did. But, I mean, if, if I'm just making a song with somebody, I'm like, if this shit sounds dope, then, yeah. So what do you see as the role of a producer, then? What should a producer, when they step in the studio with somebody else, what should they be aiming to do? Well, I mean, nobody's really a producer, now everybody everybody like makes beats makes beats and then like there are singers and then the singers are like i really like your beats i want to sing on them and produce or the producers like i really like your voice i want you to sing on my beats which ends up working out really well i think the producer term is dead just need to we don't need to find a new word for it but I mean, when you when you say producer, like you say Phil Spector or Brian Wilson, you don't say like. I'm not gonna shit on anybody here, but <laughs> you don't say a lot of people you hear on SoundCloud. Mm. They're not producers. Because the producer element has more of like a people element to it. Like if you're stepping into a room with a singer, it's not just to have her sing on the beat. It's actually a lot bigger than that. Because there's a human thing that you have to deal with, which is to get the best out of them, not just to get the best out of their voice. I think there definitely is more of it. I mean, uh, the producer term is just way too, way too general. Everybody has a different mm. definition of it, you know? Like people could call Calvin Harris a producer I don't know. I, I plead the fifth on shit like that. Because <laughs> what I'm trying to get out of you is that knowledge of people think, okay, cool, I make beats now, I'm a producer. But 
I feel like there's people that actually need to hear the next step that's further than that. It's like, all right, cool. The same with a singer, a good voice gets you in the door in the conversation of being a good artist. Like, you can sing great, fantastic, right? Right. Now let's get started on the real work. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay, cool. You can make good beats. All right, sweet. Now the real work starts. That, what do you think? Which is, I mean, the, the real magic in... especially like now and just making music is like executing a vision. That's really what it's about. Mm. I was just talking to somebody the other day that, you know, the technical ability in the classical sense, especially when it comes to singing and I guess even for producing, it's just out the window. It's not even necessary anymore. Mm. I think the mashup wave that happened <laughs> fucking like, what, like eight years ago or like, like when was like uh, girl talk and like, <sighs> what was it, like White Panda or some shit? Like, I feel like it was mid two thousands, end yeah, of the two thousands. Yeah. I'm trying to think that that was like the apex of like, um, you know, and even just picking out samples in hip hop, like the the classic hip hop production of picking out a sample, you know, curation, mm. like real like curator. I have no idea what the question was. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> so when you walk in with into a session with a with a singer what in your mind is happening when you look at them and think all right this is what i need to do with them in order to get the best out of this session well you need to know the person like before we sat down i talked to you for like an hour yeah. or some shit and that is exactly what needs to happen if not longer um I don't, I don't really, like, I, I'll get sent acapellas and shit from people. I don't really do sessions outside of maybe, like, three or four people right now. Mm. And they're people that I know very well. And you, you just, you just got to direct them. You got to direct them and make them gel with the fucking music make them feel comfortable and shit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a huge part of it. Is that sometimes hard to make them feel comfortable? Because I know working with singers, there's a lot of insecurity and ego. Oh, I'm a straight up psychiatrist. Time. Yeah. Right now, for sure. I, I tell a lot of my friends, like, I'm, I'm just not gonna do any music anymore. It's like, I, I would love to be a psychiatrist. <laughs> I really would. Just heal people. And, yeah, like the passive type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah. like, the person just talks to me and I just listen. Mm -hmm. Just shake your head, nod yeah. your head. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> and how does that make you feel? <laughs> that kind of psychiatrist. That's sometimes how I feel when I do this podcast because some people <laughs> don't really get a platform to speak about their, their shit or whatever. So it's always like they're always laid out. <laughs> and they're like, this is like therapy. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it does get like that. I, I think the with, with the whole singer thing, it's like... 
I mean, humans are just full of insecurity. Everybody. You know, and some people are have gotten a better way around it or like they mask it or they, you know. But that's the, that's the number one thing with singers. Most like uh, every every fucking singer, even like the really really good ones, they just hate hearing themselves back after they've just recorded. Really? They're like, oh, I don't, you know. It'd be like Adele or some shit. She'll just smash a run. And It'd be interesting to see Adele after she laid down a vocal, like her listening back. Like, you know, I mean, I'm, she probably knows she's great, but when she listens back, she probably just wants to fix something or, you know. Mm. Yeah, confidence is really big for singers. Do you, is it important for them to come in and be open to be vulnerable and uh, and get out of their comfort zone. Do you think that a lot of artists at the moment get out of their comfort zone or do you think that they just stick to what they know? I mean, we'd have to talk about certain examples. I, I think most people can do one thing. And if that's not the case, then... I'm sort of using Young Thug as a template in my mind for this. Yeah. Like, if it's not the case that they can do only one thing, then either their team or the artist specifically is like too afraid to like break a formula that everybody is is eating up, like like on some McDonald's type shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So they just get stuck in the pattern of... Yeah, and I think it's really bad. I think you have to know when to ride a wave and when to break the wave. Mm. It's easier said than done, though. I feel like, especially if you have a global success like Young Fog has had and he's able to travel the world and tour the world and shit, it's difficult to sit down and be like, all right, you know, everything that's working for us Let's scrap it all and change it all and start right. again. But I think it's integral to, um, if somebody wants to have a legacy, it's integral to, like I said, know when to purposefully fuck everything up. Mm. Do you think about your legacy and how you want to be remembered or do, is that something you don't think about? <coughs> uh, not a lot. Because you're present. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but sometimes I do. What do you think about? What do you see? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, like I said, I just wanna, I just wanna pop off artists. Mm. That's all I wanna do. Musically, is that? And then I wanna make films. Like I said, I really wanna make. Film. I wanna make a horror film. About what? I don't know. <laughs> I've actually, I've, I've actually dedicated a lot of my time to thinking about it. Oh wow. It kind of suits your um, thought pattern as well because horror is a bit of an archaic genre. Everyone kind of does the old same shit and it's not scary anymore. We definitely do need new horror films or a new approach to horror films. 100,000%. When was the last time you watched a horror film and was genuinely terrified? And that's what feeds in because I'm a fan of horror films, mm. even the really shitty ones. Yeah, yeah, same. But yeah, like like I mean, it is it is definitely something that's that's really stale right now for the most part, for the most part. 
It Follows was fantastic. But it, it wasn't genuinely scary, you know. It was. It just had a creepy atmosphere, which was actually quite well done. Yeah, it, it is creepy that person just like walking, walking towards straight you. towards you. <laughs> that is some nightmare shit. Yeah, that sure. is some, especially yeah. the real big guy in that house when he's like, <laughs> that shit was. Fun. I was like, whoa, this is weird. But then they ruined it with the ending. The ending was whack. I'm trying to remember the ending. What was um, where they she the ghost turns into her dad, and they all get in the swimming pool. And they try to get the ghost into the swimming pool and electrocute it. It's dumb. It's oh, so they're, dumb. they're in the indoor yeah, swimming area. Yeah, the indoor area. swimming pool, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's from a, a different movie. Yeah. Almost. It's like, we don't know how to end this, so... It's <laughs> just going to lead them into this. Like... Yeah. It felt a bit... Yeah, I forgot about that. But um, I think I think that's one of the examples of a, of a recent like horror movie where like that is some nightmare type thing. Yeah. Do you think that if they innovate technology a little bit more in terms of sound and the experience, maybe like virtual reality or some shit, maybe that's the next step for horror films. Because that shit would be scary. Imagine it follows in virtual reality and every time you have to like look around and you see someone just walking straight for you and you're like, oh shit. And then you have like, I mean, that's that's almost like a a ride or yeah. something, you know, like a... Uh, theme park ride yeah, yeah yeah but yeah that shit hell yeah that could happen I don't know <clears throat> that's kind of limitless there I'm trying to think. I know that Japanese do horror very well yeah and they have done horror very well for a very long time mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's that sounds like a college paper right there what what is it about Japanese culture that makes them you know like you can probably like, connect a lot of dots on that one. I wouldn't even be able to start with why. I wonder why Western horror is so whack then. That's a paper. That's a good paper as well to write. Yeah, yeah. Why do we have such a low expectation of what is actually scary? Or maybe some people actually find that shit scary and we're just anomalies. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think there's, there's jump scares, which are fine. Yeah. And then there's like, that actually, I mean, the reason that I brought up it follows is because the the jump scare is not really a. It's a constant. <laughs> Which atmosphere. is the true horror. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Like you can't call a jump scare movie a horror movie, even if it's like oh, there's like skeletons or like somebody's bleeding or like, <laughs> like it's a jump scare movie. Like it's not a horror movie. It's a, you know. Who's your favorite horror directors? You know, I'm I'm not. All right, horror films. What yeah. are some some shining um, examples? Okay, well, here's here's the here's a so so The Shining mm. was the first movie where I I fell in love with the concept of like um, feeling scared watching something. Yeah. But um, it it's funny I. Um, I was telling one of my friends I just saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time oh, wow. like two months ago yeah and I hadn't seen it forever partially because uh, I, I didn't want to ruin it or something you know I was like scared to watch it because I because people were like yo this is so good like whatever but uh, same with the Blair Witch Project I watched that for the first time like two months ago but anyhow, it, I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was crazy to me when I saw it because, like, there's no, 
there's no blood or like really guts. Have you? Seen, I mean, there's blood, but but I, it's, I it's don't not think I've like seen a, the original. Yeah, like the 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 nineteen seventy five or um, yeah, I think it's seventy five. But yeah, there's there's I mean there's obviously like blood in in certain scene scenes, but there's no. There's nothing on screen that is really genuinely explicit. It's just like, um, <laughs> I was, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of Rob Zombie. It's funny that I even bring him up, but like he said something really pointing about the movie and he was like, it's almost like a, um, it's almost like you were actually there, you know? And not in like a found footage type of way, obviously, but like it just seems so fucking real. And I have no idea how to achieve that <laughs> as a director or anything, but <laughs> it it really impresses me. I need to check it out. I need to watch it. Can't believe I haven't. I don't know why I haven't. I was very ashamed that I had. <laughs> but I love the shining. I love all Kubrick, but The Shining, Shining is yeah. so fucking Kubrick good. in general is... Kubrick in general. Yeah. Um, have you seen Under the Skin? Yes. Dude. Thank you. Nobody knows that movie. Yeah. That I don't know why. so fucking good. Like, even, like, my movie homies, I'm like, you, you didn't see that? Like, bro. I'm trying to think, like, yeah, that, that shit was genuinely, like fucked up i was like watching you, it like i have no idea i think it's that confusion of feelings as well of it's like should i feel empathy towards this situation when really it's so weird and fucked up and i should just completely distance myself from it it's just weird uh, that film is so good they attained such a genuine sense at least in me of unease mm. especially i'm trying to think um probably the apex of that was like um you know those dream sequence uh type things where scarlet is like um walking into like a pool uh, the the black the pool of black the, the yeah, blackness yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the water blackness thing <coughs> there was one thing i think it was like some some body or um there's a bunch of dudes like like uh, maybe male cadavers like floating or something yeah, their skin. It's like their skin yeah. is floating in the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I was I was like, man, like like I wanted to look away. I was like, this is truly like this is that that was horror, you know, to me. Damn. Thank you for bringing that up. Nah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. It's good. I can't I wanted to a couple of weeks ago they were showing it somewhere downtown with a live orchestra. That oh, would, for real. Yeah. I wanted to go so bad. God, that damn. shit would have been so fucking good. Because the soundtrack as well is, again, a, a big part of it. And it, that soundtrack in that is disgusting. Yo, I was, I was so fucking in love with that soundtrack. I got it on, like, the... I ordered the vinyl oh, of shit. it. Oh, shit. You got it? I don't, I don't have it here. Oh. It's, it's in... I think it's in Connecticut. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah. Just, just like that one like drum sound you're like boom like, it's the like, strings like, it's the violins in that like the scratching of the <coughs> oh, they, that and it follows I mean shit the, the soundtrack that, in it follows is fucking crazy fucking um disaster piece that guy who, who did that, the who soundtrack did it? for that yeah it's so good it's like a, almost a joke 
Like it's almost a satire of 70s <coughs> horror music, but it's just done so well. I remember in the cinema, I was like, I didn't know how to feel about the film at the time. Cause I was kind of like, I don't know if this is stupid or if this is actually making me feel, I didn't know how to feel. But when I heard the soundtrack, I was like, but these, this for it, for it follows. For it follows. Yeah, I was like, this soundtrack though. Is You're saying you don't you don't know if you liked it when it was in. I didn't know if I liked the film when I saw it in the cinema. Okay. I was kind of just like. Interesting. Just, Why not? Because the ending, first and foremost. Yeah. Okay. I liked the, the atmosphere of it and shit. I don't know if I like the whole sexually transmitted thing. It feels, it it doesn't feel of yeah, the- Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. It doesn't feel of the times. Yeah. It's like, we're not actually that, we don't think that way about sex anymore. That was kind of a random thing. That, that was something maybe like thematically, like if you want to grant whoever the fuck wrote it, some artistic license, like, um, Maybe maybe the joke was it actually wasn't about sex. Like it's about something else, you know. Like maybe they're like it's it's malleable. Maybe again, I'm 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 trying to uh, Let's benefit of the doubt. It. Yeah, yeah, right I'm there. Trying to glorify it a little you bit. You must be one of your friends that wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> but now I was like, no, yeah. I just really want to like that movie. That yeah, much. it's just an archaic point of view. Maybe ten like ten or twenty years ago, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they go out to the cabin to all fucking do drugs and shit, and they end up getting cut to pieces it's kind of just that weird caveman like approach of if you have unprotective sex with a stranger you're just going to get this disease that follows you around and tries to murder you and shit well that's i think i think what i'm saying with that is that there are parts of that movie that are so fucking genius that they could not they could just not oversight yeah, yeah, be yeah. meaning the whole like yeah. uh, std shit or whatever you know like i don't know it's just like when you hear in a song, like when when um, when some arrangement is so good, or um, and then you hear an element that's like corny. It's like, well, that must be very intentional. That yeah, it's corny. you did that on purpose. This is yeah. a joke, right? Like yeah, you're like either trolling or, or yeah. you're just like that's your your taste at the time or whatever. Sometimes I feel like. That's not the case. Sometimes it's really like, it's Kanye's album. Kanye's album's a great example of that. <coughs> How you have these first, you have Ultralight Beam and then you have the, the next song. Can't remember the name. Um, and you're like, this sounds incredible. Holy shit. And then he says the line about bleached assholes mm -hmm. and bleach on his t-shirt. And you're like, wait, is he trolling? Or is he really not aware that that is the corniest fucking line ever? It's a weird, weird dynamic. We can either, I think, the more holistic approach to uh, to this conceptually is that whoever it is that we're listening to or watching has really great parts about them, and some parts are not so great. I think that was. I think that was. It's good that he did that because it just lets you realize that he is just a human being, mm -hmm. and he is just a man, and it's not some unattainable force or whatever like he's just a fucking no absolutely and and i mean that's that's the whole uh everybody's a fucking human i'm i'm a superhumanist i don't i don't um 
I look up to people's work, but I I very, very rarely look up to people. Mm. I think the only person I could say I could ever look up to is Warhol. Mm. Because he himself was, was, like, he made himself the art. Like, he didn't give a fuck. He was trolling everybody at all times. <laughs> my knowledge, my Warhol knowledge is not that great. It's not that great. He made himself not a person, you know. How? How did he do that? He beat, it, didn't, it really beats me. <laughs> like what were some of the examples? You're, you're saying what are the examples of it? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, <coughs> first of all, the, the ever-present wig. Um, I mean, his interviews are... I think he really, really, truly interpreted life as um, meaningless, how, how we started this whole shit, like, and beyond that as a joke, for sure. And I, I think he existed in a time where people were very, very serious about, like, uh, I guess at least mainstream America at the time, not the youth, but... It was way more serious than than it is now, you know. Pe people were more close-minded, you know. So yeah. the trolling was easier for him and, and shit like that. But yeah, he I mean he was he was the art. There's not a lot of people you could say about that. Is there anyone now that you could say who is at least trying? Yeah, probably. I just don't know about him. <laughs> You mean in like the artist artist world or like music world or oh, like just yeah in the arts in general music film anything? Well, I don't know. I I think Warhol stands as a pretty singular figure, and I know he's glorified and like it's it's the genius of it is that bringing it up is trite, but he would have loved that, you know. This is like a black hole for me talking about talking Warhol. About Warhol. Yeah. I mean, we can, <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yeah. <laughs> when did you first fall in love with Warhol? My dad is an artist, but he's also like a, a home builder. He's a home builder for money. Yeah. And he's an artist for his own shit. But um, yeah, it was probably through him. And it was just aesthetically, you know, like most visual art, if you connect with it, like off the, but, but, um, uh, I, I just like obsess over, um, people when I like, when I like their work, I want to know who they are as people. Mm. <laughs> Hence you fucking doing this interview and shit. Um, cause a lot of, I mean, a lot of the times that's way more interesting than their art is, you know? That's true. Most of the times for me, actually. Like, I'd, I'd rather know what, what Kubrick ate for breakfast than watch his movies again, you know? It's true. Like, if I could figure out what, what a day in his life actually was or, like, be a fly on the wall for his life and but, but never have the chance to watch any of his movies ever again, I would be a fly on the wall in his life. I think a lot of people don't appreciate that aspect now as well. People don't realize that the artist probably matters more than the art. I don't think people put 
time into that thought process. Yeah. People don't people neglect the source and they just consume the product but they don't actually go to the and source of where this, it comes this from. Instagram shit, like you know, I I talk with people in, in like pretty again, no names, but it's like pretty high positions in, in, in the industry and like um you know, or, or even my friends. Uh, and they talk about like oversharing and like like Instagram and Twitter and all this shit. It was like but it's not really it's still a show. You still don't know who anybody is. Even Snapchat, you know, mm. like you have no there's just it's not revealing anything. That's my statement on that. There's there's no like social media is still like a, a smoke screen. You don't know who anybody is. It's true. Would you say that your Twitter is a accurate portrayal of who you are? No. Is it a sensationalized? No, it's it's at this point it's just like me like talking with like the five friends that I hang out with, <laughs> and Twitter is also like really good for, you know, like if I if I really want to find somebody undiscovered, um, and try to bring them to prominence or something, or if I want like vocals on one of my tracks, you know. It's a great tool for that. Mm. It's way better than Instagram. Well, yeah, Instagram's not really Instagram for DMs that. Are, are, Instagram is the most pervert. It's like perverts. <laughs> Why do you get a bunch of people <coughs> sending you perverted images to your DMs? No, no. It's, it's just <laughs> you just like, said it in a way that made you like, it was like you were scarred by an experience. I am scarred by it. Not It's not direct, though. It's like oh, from okay. what, I, what I witness and like, bro, like, like, some girls' Instagrams are like not okay. Yeah, that's true. I remember when they first announced that, I was thinking if I had a daughter, like a young daughter right now, I'd be worried. <laughs> like what? Like, yeah, like what? just knowing that any guy can just send a picture of whatever, and out of natural curiosity, you're gonna click. All right, let me just see what this person. Oh, okay, it's a picture of his dick yeah. tucked between his legs. <laughs> yeah, so, and he's wearing so. a dress. Great, fantastic. <laughs> Now that's art. That's way <laughs> right. <laughs> Why do you think that we as a generation now neglect the artist or the source? Why do we just want the product? I'm trying to figure out if I fully agree with the first half of that statement. I, th I think we sensationalize the source and I think we deify. That's how you say that. You know, we like, um, we make the sources into gods. Mm. When I actually, I actually agree with what seems to be your, your mission statement in this, this interview thing that you're doing that yes, indeed, uh, um, everybody's just a human, you know, hundred percent. I'm sorry. What was the question? Uh, why? I, I answered it pretty well, but I, there was something else I wanted to touch on. Why, as a generation, do we not care about the source? Um, and why do we just want the product? Yeah. I guess I did answer that. You did answer it. <laughs> it was pretty head on. It was pretty head on. <laughs> the label. You started a label. 
Uh-huh. Obviously with the intention to blow people up, but was it also with the intention of so you don't have to deal with other record labels? And oh, no, we industry? are dealing with... Uh, FS is an imprint of Atlantic. Oh, okay. So we are dealing with other labels, meaning them. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, I mean, you know... Well, I started it to get into it, but in the way that I wanted to get into it. Okay, that's, yeah, that's kind of where I wanted to... Because I, I signed with... Um, I signed my publishing deal, you know, um, right, at, uh, right getting out of college uh, as I was finishing. And I was like, oh, shit, like, yeah, you know, make, make music and make money. This is the dream. This is great. And it was, and it... And it still is but the whole publishing thing and this is why I don't I'm not really like a producer you know there's there's like a lot of there's a lot of producer as LA as LA would define it you know there's a lot of producer writers who like spend their days it's like a producer writer a and b or writer a b c all in a room and they're pitching songs to what I think, you know, it's just, let me get the Kelly Clarkson cut, you know. And I was part of that world for maybe two years, you mm. know, right, right out of college. And it was fantastic for that period of my life because I was making money, I was making music, and I was like, that's the fucking dream coming out of college. It's great. <coughs> but there was a certain point where I was like, I feel unfulfilled. And this is not the way I want to play this shit. And that was basically, basically mainly stemmed off the fact that the people that I was quote unquote, it's not really answering to, but the people that I was dealing with, like the A&Rs and shit, like, I'm like, I can't, I just couldn't interface with them anymore. Mm. They're too stupid. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't. There, there are, like, our industry is just filled with, like, fuckheads who don't know what they're talking about. Especially in A and R capacity, and you know, me and David, we're like, yeah, we got to do this on our own. Yeah, we're like, we're gonna do this better than everybody. Mm. And as of now, we are. What makes a bad A and R? What makes it what? A bad A and R. Ah, shit! It's really easy. Uh you just like, like the way I describe it to a lot of people is like 99% of the music industry. Like if somebody had told me that 90, that, that the, the vast majority of our industry had just switched over from being gas station attendants <laughs> and they were all suddenly interested in like a new field in the arts, I would believe them. That's the level of incompetence. But why? What what makes them so bad? Because they're not creatives themselves. And that's like a lot of like me and David are creative, so we understand everything that those people don't. How an artist views things, wants to be communicated with. 
lot of stuff like that. It's interesting. I think a lot of people have the rose-tinted view of the industry that it's the solution to all problems or that it's the, the best place to aim to be. But the reality is that once you get there, you realize actually it's better on my own terms. Absolutely, especially nowadays when, yeah, the the <clears throat> it's cliche advice, but the the being independent as long as you can and all of these things is it's very accurate. It's good advice, but you got to be with the right team at the same time, unless you're an artist and a marketing genius, and you know, which usually doesn't come hand in hand. Well, yeah. How long does it take to find that team, that group of people that you know with those people beside you, you can fucking take over everything? Well, for me, it took... Um, I mean, it took, I, I sort of switched my mission statement, like, you know, from the, from the pitching thing to, like, now I'm starting a label and now we're... <clears throat> like I, I changed my focus, you know, so <clears throat> let me put it this way. It, it takes, when I started producing, I worked with anything that breathed <laughs> and it took me a couple hundred tracks, songs before the publishers came knocking. And then after that, I, I don't know, man, it, it takes like a year or two is the answer at least for me it did for and you. i i like i'm really i'm searching it's the it's a hard thing to realize that actually you need, that you actually need people around you it's a understandable thing to want to lone wolf it and do it alone and think that you know i can do this by myself but shit if just so much fucking better with other people, other incredible people around you to keep you inspired and shit and to actually make you feel like, you know what, we could be an alternative to this big machine that just fucks everybody over. Yeah, I mean, I, if, if I were to put this efficiently, it would be like, if you're an artist, you definitely need somebody, like, you need to conquer, like, the internet or whatever, you know, like, like get a certain level there. And then it depends what, what you want to do. You, you know, if, if you have, like, a song you want to go with, like, your hit single or whatever, like, the song for you as an artist, then, you know, starting with international radio, and then if that's really hitting, then American radio. You know, you know but um, there's, there's so many pieces to the puzzle, you know? especially because because most most artists are not um, fully developed and the real answer is is that nobody can actually develop you is that why labels stop doing artist development <clears throat> i mean i was i have not been besides me and david i have never seen an artist actually be developed I've seen me and David develop an artist. Oh. For sure. 
what's the first step? Making a really, really awesome song. (laughs) I get it. And that's the biggest one and the hardest one for most people. And then after that, am I like writing a book right now? <laughs> how to how to make it? How to make in it in 2016? You feel like you you could be the the person to write that book though. <laughs> Got hits for days. Uh, it's yeah. Music first, music first, always, always. That'll never change. Although shit is more of a marketing exercise than ever. Even I I can't say that for sure because I wasn't alive in like the sixties and seventies and eighties and shit like that, but it's definitely a lot of marketing expertise that goes into the music industry. Which is something for me like like I, I came from pure music, so this whole like what is the angle for this release or this artist, you know? The angle I mean, is, Dave, is that David's, David's the, the <clears throat> shining example being when we first released Kiara Gold. David was, <laughs> this, this is where David's brain is fantastic because he thinks in his capacity very well. It's like, uh, it's like you know, He's like, I could see the head. Like, I don't see headlines for shit. I just hear music. You yeah. know, like, I don't, I don't see like blog headlines. I'm, I'm like, fuck that shit. But, um, you know, he's like 20 year old, like ace hardware girl, like releases crazy. Like, you know, you know, and like David's like, people are going to eat that up. I'm like, if you, if you say so, man, people like, did eat that up. But like that coupled with the really amazing with music, the really good is, music. Is like, you know, it's fantastic. Why do you love Ableton so much? <clears throat> at this point it is it's the most by far the most fucking because i know you use logic and shit yeah, yeah. And a lot of my friends use logic and i was roasting the rudimental guys for using logic because i was <laughs> like you know i roast everybody for for i was logic for two years i was garage band then logic thank god I had like the knowledge to know that Pro Tools is is complete ass. Um, you don't like Pro Tools? It's awful. Oh wow! For for creativity, for creation. My so. friend, my friend will never hear a bad word said about Pro Tools ever. He's been on it since like Pro Tools two or some shit. I mean, I have this conversation all the time with people. Yes, they all do the same thing. Yes, you can basically do the same goddamn thing in every one of them. Mm. But Ableton, for me, so the first time I, um, you know, this producer, Arca? Yeah, yeah. Twigs um, and Bjork. Uh-huh. So we went, we actually went to the same college together. Oh, wow. And he was, he was actually the first person where I was like, yeah, producing. Or like, yeah, computers, basically. And I just watched him work on Ableton because I was in Logic at the time and like why are you doing everything 20 times as fast as me like like he it was it, um, like I said before the computer didn't exist it just wasn't there mm. like the everything was just so and I'm, I've gotten to that level now but just everything disappears 
and all you do is hear and you see and you know but Ableton's not there the computer's not there it's but Ableton is by and far 300,000% the best <laughs> I need to do it I need to just get it I'm gonna get it when I get home I mean Apple should kill themselves like Logic is not good Logic 9 was pretty good I think I think Logic 10 is probably good, but I've never I haven't used it because I'm so Ableton out. But it seems like they've changed it to. It kind of looks like GarageBand. Yeah, it's like a hybrid of. It's got the professional elements of Logic Pro 9, but the accessibility of GarageBand. Yeah. So yeah, it's like it's not for. This. The whole thing with the computer, how it's a personal computer, you have office next to you, you have your DAW. It's like it's not for the level of music that you want to make. It's like a hobbyist kind of thing. It's aimed at hobbyists the same way that Final Cut Pro X is not made for Hollywood films to be edited on. They're made for amateurs, I guess, or hobbyists. Right. So now, yeah, I right. do appreciate that in a sense. And yeah, you could edit a film on a Hollywood picture on fucking Final Cut Pro X and you could make Beyonce's whole album or whatever in Logic, but nah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're getting at. And it's not really that Ableton's that much more professional. I just praise it because it's more creatively intuitive. It's that intention as well. It's the intention to help you be more creatively intuitive, whereas this, it doesn't force you to be creative or it doesn't even really give you that option if you know what i mean ableton feels like it wants you to be creative it's like i'm here play with me like fuck with the sounds and shit <clears throat> anytime you can close the gap my whole um the fuck am i trying to say my whole um goal with making music with com with with computers or with anything is like like you have an idea and you have it ex fully executed, and if you can close that gap mm. as close as you can close it, that's the only it's the only thing that matters. Do you ever think you've completely closed it before? <laughs> no. <laughs> What's no. the closest you think you've ever got? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm as close as you can get right now. As close as you can humanly get. <laughs> so you just bang idea, execution. All right, it's not complete, but it's taken on a life of its own and it's it's good. Yeah. That's the hard, That's the toughest bit, that realization of the creativity is you have your ideal finish point and you just have to get as fucking close as you can, but know that you will never actually get to cross the line of where you thought it would be but really actually where it ends up is probably yeah which is better. the beauty of it yeah it's that gap in between that's the it's like if we if we somehow had uh, it's it's like the fucking um, genie with the three wishes story like yeah, in yeah. life if uh you suddenly had the ability to grant me whatever i wanted it would probably end up ruining my life or something, you know, because most people like 
fucking hella like spiritual up in here. <laughs> in the bungalow. <laughs> what would music sound like if egos didn't exist? Would people? I guess art kind of comes from thinking that your perspective is valid and that people need to hear it. Whereas if you had an ego, maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you'd be like, oh, what? You wouldn't see the importance of the self-indulgence. <coughs> You're saying if you didn't have an ego, but you were still existing in the way that we exist, right? Yeah. I think we would still make music because it's inherent... I don't know to, I mean, it's the question to what extent is ego, does ego drive uh, humans creating music? Maybe it drives the words or the stories. Yeah, I mean, obviously anybody who, yeah, but then, you know, I, I think we would still sing if we quote unquote didn't have egos just out of like, you know, cause humans just do that. And we would like bang on shit and be like, yeah, this feels good. <laughs> you know, I guess that's how it started. Like it felt really good. And they're like, ah, this feels good. Do this. <laughs> I guess that's why we still do it. <laughs> it's true. I don't really know where to take it from there. Maybe we'll just wrap it up from there. What would, <laughs> what would music sound like or art even be like? If there would, I just don't think that there'd be necessarily words or stories or maybe the stories would be on more of a bigger scale it would, they would be about the human experience as a whole as opposed to just one single experience like an individual experience it would be more of like a earthly type thing or universal universal type thing maybe it would just be about the sun or the moon or something. Yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. I, I guess if if we're following this, like like egos are the tainted lens through which everybody sees the world. Mm. You know, as Profound. like as like a horrible place or like a okay place or as like an amazing beautiful place when it actually just like is. And on that profound statement. <laughs> We'll wrap it up. Thanks for sitting and chatting with me, man. I appreciate it. I'm um, glad we got to some pretty high levels. Yeah. <laughs> FS, I wish you all the best of luck. Change the the scope of the industry and fuck those A&Rs. <laughs> Let's put them all out of business. And if you're a shitty A&R and you're listening to this, fix up. <laughs> you can follow Felix at Felix Snow on Twitter, Instagram and shit, SoundCloud. Listen yeah, to the stuff. Support the, the stuff. Listen, share. Hashtag SYWBAA. Join the conversation. Um, yeah, that's it. Safe. <laughs> <laughs>